Genesis I'll be preaching from. Genesis, I think I went over the, the majority of the announcements. So, oh, facing life's greatest challenges before I start preaching. Facing life's greatest challenges. And so we want to be here and invite people for that Sunday, February 19th. That sermon series starts. It's a six-week sermon series. And so we want you to be here for that. Invite your friends and family. And we're talking about some very serious things that people have been through or that people may be going through, like grief, facing failure, raising children. Those are challenges, amen? Those are challenges on a daily basis, finding the truth. And so we want you to invite Pastor Pastor has already ordered some, some cards, just some little square cards. If you haven't seen them, they're really a blessing. It's just, you know, when you order a card, it's like, you know, just a, a, a half the size of an index card. There's not much you can put on there. But there's just a small message. This is the sign you have been waiting for, all right? People are waiting for a sign to go to church. Here's your sign. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know if some of you Jeff, Jeff Foxworthy fans, you know, there's something that says, here's your sign. <laughs> here's your sign. Come to church. Amen. Here's your sign. So we want to provide that for you, and we'll be getting that out very soon and getting those cards to you. We do have some of them available, but we want to set them up uh, around the, uh, the, the entrance of the church. And when you go out, you can grab some and go out and invite there. Still invite your two people, your two people every day. You still got time after service. Go over there and run the schnooks or Walmart or Quick Trip or whatever you have to do. Go out and invite two people to hand out two cards and keep on going. Keep the streak alive. Amen. All right. Genesis chapter 35, starting in verse 16. And they journeyed from Bethel, and there was but a little way to come to Ephrath. And Rachel travailed, and she had hard labor. And it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, thou shalt have this son also. And it came to pass as her soul was in departing, for she died that she called his name Benoni, which, but his father called him Benjamin. And Rachel died and was buried in the way to Ephrath, which is Bethlehem. Now I'm going to take verse 18 as my key verse, verse 18. And it came to pass, as her soul was in departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni, but his father called him Benjamin. And I want to preach on the title of a message, Renewed and Renamed. Renewed and renamed. Reverend Grove, sir, would you please pray for the message and the message? Amen. All right, you may be seated. Switching. I thought I was. Okay. Never mind. All right. I don't, I don't know if I, I don't have it turned on. So I'm going to use this mic here. Okay. Praise God. Thank you for our PA team. They are on it. Amen. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Amen. All right. Renewed and renamed. This may not be a familiar portion of scripture to you. It's not one that you probably read through and say, all right, I got the message here. It's probably something that you've read and, and maybe that you've kept on going by, going on to the next chapter. But we have a man here named Jacob. Jacob may be a name that you're familiar with in the word of God. Jacob is what they call one of the patriarchs. There was Abraham. I know you probably know his name. Isaac, that was the son of Abraham. And Jacob was the son of Isaac. Jacob, his name was 
deceiver to have this name to be translated. And Jacob had been through all of these different trials and tribulations. He needed, when we get to Genesis chapter 35, he needed a renewal in his life. His family was facing moral and spiritual decline. And so in this situation of which he was going through, he did the best thing that anyone can do. He started to talk to God. He started to look for God to do something in his life. When you are facing life's greatest challenges, you need to look to God. You don't need to go to the psychiatrist or the psychologist. You need to go to church, get in the Bible, get in the Word, talk to a man of God, get somebody to pray for you, get to God. And that's exactly what Jacob did. And so Jacob here, as he begins to seek after God, the only one who had been blessing him, the only one who had showed him grace, he began to seek after God, and God did not throw him away, but God renewed his promises to him. God reminded him of who he was, about the name that he was supposed to be called. God had told him the various things that he was going to do, and God had reminded him that he needs to do these things. He had been renewed, he had been renamed, and so when we get to this Bible reading here in Genesis chapter 35, we'll explain why he renamed his son because his wife had called him Benoni which was a name which means the son of my sorrow but Jacob whose name had already been changed he called him the son of my strength and so we can go from sorrow to strength because of what God has done for us so we got two things to look at here renewed and renamed renewed and renamed. There's a man named George Mueller. George Mueller. If you are, if you have ever read uh, any Christian uh, biographies, he's one that normally comes up. Christian biographies are good things to read. It, it, it shows you men and women who've had faith in God and, and what God did in their lives and how they believed God. And, and we see the, the great things that God can do in someone else's life. And this man, George Mueller, you may have heard of him. If not, I'll tell you. He is a man that through his lifetime, he took care of over 10,000 orphans by faith in God. He would not ask for money from anyone to take care of these orphanages. Whether it was the, 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 the renting of a building or coming down to money, whether it was the buying of food or whether it was building, uh, I think it was three buildings that they ended up building uh, over his lifetime. Whatever it was, he would pray and God would answer him. He wouldn't even take any money for himself unless it was really addressed to him and him alone. If any money came in, it went straight to the orphanages. So this was over in England in a time where there were lots of children that were needing somewhere to go and so of course he was Christian and he taught them but however not many people know about his sordid past ignoble acts what does that mean as he had bad intentions before he got saved he was a bad boy so he spent a lot of time lying stealing drinking he would he would uh, listen to his biography and and, and if he needed to go somewhere, he would sign his father's name. He would forge his father's signature. 
and give it to whoever it was that would give him a pass or give him license to go to another country. He was a bad guy. Once his, his, he, he got up uh, enough nerve to tell his friends, hey, we're going to go, I think it was France, I think they went to. We're going to go over into France. Now, this was over in Prussia. We're going to go over into France. We're going to have a good time. And they said, okay, we'll put all the money with you. <laughs> he spent some of it, some of his money and some of their money too. They didn't know anything about it. He was a bad guy. And so I, as I was listening to the biography, I'm thinking, is this the same guy that Pastor Devonshire told me about? The guy that took care of the orphans? And I'm listening to the story, and it's talking about all these things, and this is going on for about 30 minutes. And I thought, maybe I got the wrong audio book. Maybe this is some other guy. If this is the guy, when does he get saved? He needs to get saved. And so finally, finally, and this guy, another thing, he was in a seminary doing some of this stuff. A seminary. A school to train preachers. He was doing this stuff. So finally, he ends up going to a meeting where there is a preacher who taught and preached the word of God like he had never heard in his life. And it seemed like for the first time in his life, he had been convicted of his sin. He had felt the need to get right with God. He did that. He felt the need. He felt the conviction. He felt that God was all over him. And he finally gave his life to Jesus Christ. God had not given up on this man. That even though he was bad and even though he needed to get these things right, God had given him chance after chance and time after time. And he finally gave his heart to God. He became a preacher. He started those orphanages. And God began to move in those places. It lets you know that God does not give up. That God wants to renew you. That God wants to restore you. That God wants to bring you in and do something in your life. One time, they came up, like I said, that he wouldn't ask anybody for money. And I believe it was 300 orphans early in the morning. One of the staff came up to him and said, George, we don't have any food for the orphans. He said, okay. He let one of the other girls know that was there. He said, watch what God's going to do. And so they came in. They got empty bowls, and they put them down on the table. And he said, Grace, Father God, thank you for providing for us this morning. Amen. I was in suspense as I was listening to it. And, and this is his, these are his memoirs, the things he, was, he had written down about what happened. And so the story goes that right when he got done, someone came knocking on the door. And they said, I woke up at 2 o'clock in the morning. I was worried about you having enough bread for the children. I stayed up all night baking bread, and God told me to bring it down here. And so here's the bread for the children. And then right after that, another knock on the door. The milkman who had not been coming by the orphanage, the, 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 he got a flat tire right in front of the orphanage. He came over there knocking on the door. He said, hey, I need to change this tire, but I can't do it because there's so much milk on there. It's too heavy for me to pick it up and so I can't get the, the jack underneath there if you just have somebody come out and empty it all if they can get the milk off of it I'll let you have it for free God provided for those kids and they went on their way to school and God was glorified 
So God can do something in your life, even if you've been lying, you've been stealing, you've been doing things wrong. Come to God, get your life right with God, and God can do something in you. So we have our friend here, Jacob. As we already began to talk about Jacob, all the various things that, that Jacob had to go through, living as a deceiver. Some of you are familiar with the story of Jacob and how we, he went through these various things that he had took the birthright from his, from his brother who was older than him. He deceived his dad. He ended up going out into this place to, to try to get himself a wife. But while he was on his way, he stopped at this place. He went to sleep and he had a dream. He dreamed that there was a, a ladder that was going up to heaven and these angels were going down and coming up. And God began to speak to him through that dream. As God began to speak to him, he, he reiterated the promises of Abraham, who, Abraham, who may have been dead about 100 years already at this time of Jacob's life. He reiterated the promises of Abraham and, and talked about Isaac. And he told him that his seed, he told Jacob, his seed would be as the dust of the earth. They wouldn't be able to count it all. And that also that, that the, the promises would be going from Abraham down to him. And he said, I will be with you. I will keep you. Just follow after me. Jacob woke up and he called that place Bethel. What does that mean? It means the house of God. It means that this is the place where God is. And you have to hold on to that place called Bethel in your mind. We've got to remember what God has done for us. We've got to remember that that first time that you stepped into the house of God. Or you brought that, or you were brought to God's house. And you, and you built that relationship with God. That first time that you prayed. And you felt God like you never felt before. That you had that spiritual high, so to speak. That it was something that no man, no woman, nobody else could do for you. No drug, nothing alcohol, nothing out there in the streets, nothing that could be bought could do that for you. It was what God could do in your life only. And you said, boy, I want some more of that. I need to experience that time and time again. God, I don't want to lose this. So we don't want to lose that relationship with God. We've got to keep it going. So he's in this place called Bethel. And he keeps on going. He goes to Haran. He ends up in this place called Haran. He's supposed to be looking for his uncle named Laban. Fast forward 20 years. He goes there single and he comes out with two wives, two concubines, and 12 children. <laughs> 12 children 20 years later. He had schemed to get some, some of the cattle and, and the sheep and everything. Tried to run away in the middle of the night, and Laban tracked him down, said, hey, where are you going with my stuff? He said, oh, hey, what are you talking about? He said, you took my idols. What idols? What are you talking about? I don't know anything about that. Okay. One of his wives, Rachel, which was the wife that he really went there to try to marry, she took him, and she put him in some kind of luggage, some carriage that the camels would carry. And then she sat on him. Laban came in the, in the tent looking for him. And he, she said, oh, I can't get up. The custom of women is upon me. I can't get up. I'm so sorry. And she had those idols. Jacob didn't know anything about it. So Jacob, he continues on. He's still Jacob. Jacob is trying to get to another place. He sees up, ends up in Peniel. And when he gets there, 
he finds out that his brother, whose stony heart had vowed to kill him because he took his birthright and took his blessing. And so he finds out that his brother Esau is after him. He said, hey, and some of his servants said, hey, we saw Esau. He's coming to say hi. He's got 400 men with him. You don't come to say hi with 400 men. That's a gang that's coming. They're coming to beat you up and take you down and break your kneecaps. You're going to be taking a long walk off a short pier. So Esau's coming. And so he, he has this other scheme. Jacob's always scheming. He has this scheme, I'm going to send out this crew, I'm going to send out these, and then I'm going to go out there and I, you know, I'll be the last one. So he sends out this half and sends out this half, and maybe, maybe Esau will accept them. But then he's all alone. What happens when you get all alone? And, and the only person that's there is you and God. You start having a conversation, don't you? You start talking, and then God starts dealing with you. That's exactly why we come to church. We turn off the cell phones. It's not the same when you're watching it online. Boy, some, the preacher might say something, and then you say, oh, I'm going to click on over. Maybe there's a joke, or maybe there's a comedy show going on. When you come to the house of God, God's got your attention. God starts talking to you. Hey, what about that thing that I told you last week? Hey, what about that Bible reading? When are you going to catch that up? Hey, when are you going to get out there and start soul winning? When are you going to come Saturday? and get there at noon and go out there and win somebody for Jesus. God starts talking to your hearts. When are you going to pray and finally get the Holy Ghost? God starts dealing with you, and that's what happened with our friend Jacob. Jacob's there, and the Bible says he starts wrestling with this man. It's God. He starts wrestling with him. He wrestles with him from night all the way up until the dawn. He wrestles with him, and he won't stop. He won't stop striving with him. He won't let him go. He said, I'm not letting you go. He said, let me go. I'm not letting you go till you bless me. Because I need a blessing right now. Big brother's coming to beat me down. I need protection. The witness protection program. I need to get in. And so God blesses him, but he knocks his thigh out of joint and he would remember that the rest of his life he'd have to walk that way and he asked him what's his name he asked God they said I'm not telling you my name what's your name confess your name what's your name Jacob he finally confessed that he had been a deceiver his whole life and so when he confessed that, God gave him another name. God gave him a new name. We come and we confess before God. God, I've been wrong. God, I've been a sinner. God, I've been messed up. When we finally confess and stop covering it up, when we finally confess and say, okay, God, it's me, oh, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's not my brother. It's not my father. It's not my mother. It's not my sister. Lord, it's me, oh, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. When we come with an attitude like that, God can do something with that. Amen. So he confessed that, and God said, you will now be called Israel. For as a prince with God, you have power, but it also meant that you will be striving, one that strives with God. And so he leaves this place. Everything's good with Esau. God had touched Esau's heart, and everything was good. And so they were supposed to be going back to see Dad, but... That didn't work out. Jacob stopped somewhere. He stopped in this place called Shechem. Sometimes we stop in places that we should not stop. 
Spiritually, we stop in some place that we shouldn't be in. We move in with somebody we shouldn't be with. We get in relationships with people that we should not be in. We get friends that are taking us down. But we just met with God. I remember when I was in the serviceman's home, this is a place where, you know, uh, our churches, there are some of our churches that are outside of military bases. So there's a serviceman's home where the, those that are in the military, if they want to come, they can come to church there. And there's actually a place that provided for them. You know, we just gave a little offering and we stayed there in this place outside of the barracks. Because the barracks is not, if you've never been in the military, the barracks is not the, the most Christian place to live. I'll say it that way. And so I remember being in the servicemen's home and it seemed like somebody would come to church and they would pray and get right with God. And then we wouldn't see him again. Or they would come and they'd get promoted and then we wouldn't see him again. They would come and God would bless them with a car and then we wouldn't see him anymore. God would give them a wife and then they disappear. It's like, where? it's God that blessed you. Amen. You need God more than ever now. Sometimes we stop in places that we should not stop. We end up in some place that we shouldn't be in. And so Jacob stopped in this place called Shechem. What happened there? Well, his daughter, Dinah. You remember that song? Someone's in the kitchen with Dinah. She shouldn't have been in this kitchen that she went to. She went out to see what the other daughters of the land were doing. I don't want my daughter going out there seeing what all the other daughters are doing. I don't want her getting on Facebook seeing what the other, other girls of the, of the neighborhood are doing and the parties that she's missing. I don't want her seeing any of that stuff. Watch what they're looking at on Facebook. YouTube. So she went out there to see what everybody else was doing. She ended up laying up with this guy of Shechem. He was a prince there. Rape, really, that's what it was. And so two of the brothers found out. You know what big brothers do? They want revenge. They said, they're not going to do that to my sister. And so they came out there with a scheme. See, Jacob is reaping what he's sowing now. He sold all that deceit. Now his sons are doing it. And so Jacob was reaping that. They went out there and they told these guys, hey, you want to be part of our family? That's fine. We want you to go ahead and get circumcised. That's what we have people do. And they said, okay, all right, yeah, we'll do that. And so they did that. Three days later, after those guys were hurting like all get out, those boys came back in there with swords and chopped them all up and looted the place and everything. Jacob, he said, what are you guys doing? And they yelled back at dad, are they going to do that to our sister? Jacob was in a bad place. He was somewhere where he shouldn't have been. And as I said, he started calling out on God. He said, God, I'm facing these challenges. God, I failed. God, I'm trying to raise these boys and they're out of hand. God, my daughter's out of hand. Things are going down. God, I don't know what to do. God, help me. And so as he began to call out to God, God told him, you pack up your stuff. You go back to Bethel. You go back to the house of God. You go back to that place where I met you. That's where it all started. That's where things should have been. That's where he should have been. He never should have stopped at Shechem. He should have went back to the house of God. Remember, 
When things are bad, go back to the house of God. This brother came here this morning. I was, I was talking to Pastor, and we were talking about how to open up the service. And this brother came into the service, and he said, he said, hey, hey, Pastor, I'm here. He said, hey, we're glad that you're here. He said, what's been going on? He said, sometimes you just got to go back to the basics. Sometimes you just got to go back to the basics. He said, the basics is just getting back to church, just getting back in church and getting right with God, just doing things right once again. Pastor said, amen. We're glad that you're here. We'll help you the best that we can. And that's what God was trying to do for Jacob. You get back to the house of God. Jacob, I'll help you to do the best that you can. I'll do whatever I can to help you. I just want you to get back there. And so Jacob, after all that trouble, he went to his family and he said, Be clean. Easy, simple commands. Be clean. What do you mean? Put away the idols. Put away all that other stuff that's getting in between you and God. Put that away. He knew Rachel had those idols still. He was the only patriarch that had idols in his household. Abraham never had any idols. Isaac never had any idols. But here's Jacob holding on to these idols. That's a slippery slope. He's going the wrong way. And so he said, get rid of these idols. He said, change your garments. What that mean? One commentator said that they were following after the ways of the world. They were looking like the world. They were getting into idol worship. They had left the clothing of the Hebrews and they had picked up the clothing of the Canaanites and their gods. He said, get rid of that stuff. That old tight stuff, get rid of that stuff. That stuff that looks like you're an idol worshiper, get rid of that. We're supposed to be God's people and we got to look different than anybody else. He said, we're going to set aside time for worshiping God. When we get back there to Bethel, we're going to build an altar and we're going to worship God. That's the first thing that we're going to do when we get back. And he said, we're going. There must have been something different in his voice that time. Because the boys didn't raise up after him. The, the, the girls didn't, his wife didn't say, well, I got the custom of women. I can't get up. No, she got up that time. She said, oh, I'm going. There's something different in here. This man's taking God seriously now. When you take God seriously, man of the house, when you take God seriously, your family will follow after you. How many times I go soul when I think it happened yesterday. I talked to this guy. I said, hey, why don't you come to church? Oh, I got to check with my wife. Why don't you come to church? <laughs> anyway, I just want to tell him, why don't you come to church first? You get things right with God, and maybe she'll see that you're finally serious about something for the first thing in your life, and she'll follow that's what we're supposed to be, leaders, amen? And so Jacob goes back to Bethel, and they begin to worship God. And then he gets his name back. He gets his name back. God reminds him that his name is Israel. And so we fast forward, and we got, he got renewed, and now he gets renamed. We fast forward to when his wife is dying in childbirth. His wife has given him this son, and the midwife, normally this is what happened. The wife would name the child, and that name would stick with him. That would be his name. And so she called him Benoni, that child that she was given as she died. She called him Benoni, and the midwife gave it 
it to, gave the boy to Joseph that, that name that means the son of my sorrow. All of my sorrows are wrapped up in this boy. And his name would have been known that for his whole life. But he said, no, this is Benjamin, the son of my strength. He is my strength. He's the son of my right hand. He is my strength. I'm going to have strength from now on. No, we're not going to have sorrow. We're going to have strength. And that's the very thing that God wants you to be reminded of. Those names that people put on you before that were loser, that you can't do anything, that you're going to be no good and you're no better than anybody else. Those names that people put on you, you've got to remember that you are what God says you are. You are what God wants you to be. You don't have to be a sinner, but you can be what God wants you to be. You can be renewed. You can be restored. You can be set free. You don't have to live like everybody else. God gives us a new name when we come to him. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, Behold, that when we come unto God, old things are passed away and all things become new. We become a new creature in Christ Jesus. One man said it this way, we're a new creation. We're created in God's image. We're a new creation. And so if we're a new creation, we've got God living on the inside of us. Jesus died to make us a new creation. We've got new life because Jesus died for us. You can come to the instruments night now. We can get ready to sing whatever they're going to sing. We've got new life because of what Jesus did for us. Just as when his wife died and she gave forth that life, Jesus died and he gave forth life for us. He gave us eternal life when he died and he gave us a new name we got a new name now you don't have to be called sinner you can be called child of God you don't have to be called I'm dying and I'm going to hell but you can be saying I'm on my way to heaven and the journey gets sweeter every day you don't have to be called weak you can be called powerful because of what Jesus has done for you you can be filled with the Holy Ghost tonight and have the power of God working in your life 